Montage. Interior, indoor, tennis court. 8 a.m. We recognize Jan Vanderdoiken, 55. Corpulent but agile, bearded, proud, like his book jacket photo earlier. He zeroes in, firing a strike at his opponent. The sweat beads are like bullets flying off of his blonde mane. He grunts animalistically as he fires volley after volley against his unseen competitor. Shit! Fuck me! Vanderdoiken! Interior, workout room, 11 a.m. A pair of thumbs press against the ground as we hear moaning and grumbling in rhythmic succession. Jan is doing thumb push-ups, his stomach barely touching the ground. Exterior, outdoor restaurant, 12 p.m. Seated under an umbrella and in shades, shorts, and a Hawaiian shirt, Jan bites into a ginormous sandwich. He chews for a few brief seconds before spitting it out into the hair of the nearest customer. Fuck this sandwich! Waiter! Fuck this sandwich! 12.30pm. Jan takes a bite of another sandwich and chews happily. Next to him stands the waiter, pants around his ankles, thrusting his hips into the earlier sandwich. Jan cackles. <laughs> Interior, barren office. 1.30pm. Jan sits in a taupe Roman sheet, blending in with the wallpaper as he types frenetically with his index fingers. At his bare feet are a stack of his own bestsellers, each one filled with sticky pad notes between the pages. He makes a mistake and tries to press backspace repeatedly. However, his anger gets the best of him and he begins slamming down on the keyboard. Fuck! This! Paragraph! Jan punches the screen so hard his fist goes through the other side. He discards the broken laptop and reaches to his right where it's revealed he has a line of open laptops ready for use. Interior, Jan's living room, 4.30. Five extravagant teddy bears dressed not unlike Ziggy Stardust sit on the couch as the television flickers. We hear audio from a children's show. We see a sheet removed from an outstretched arm. Fabric falling to the feet of a man. The buckle of a diaper closing. Jan Vanderdoiken, adult baby. Clad only in diapers, he flies slow motion into the stuffed animals as we pull back to see a near-robotic trio of attractive women dressed as suburban mothers watch and smile approvingly. They each hold apple pies. End montage. Six o'clock. A hand uses a baby spoon to feed the bearded adult mouth of Jan Vanderdoiken. He chews excitedly. He turns to the woman feeding him, a blonde, quote, suburban mother, unquote, with her hair in a bun. <laughs> so, what's on the menu today, mommy? We have an appointment. Someone seeks counsel. Oh, that's right, a fellow baby. <laughs> a fan. Another suburban mom opens another can filled with baby food. Would you like us to stand by with you? Help you with anything? No, I'm positive it'll go all right, mommy. What time will he be here? 
He'll be here in the next few moments. Well, good. I only want him here for a short time, Mommy. I have a poop set for 6.30. I bet you do. That doesn't sound like a mother. <sighs> I bet you do have a little poopy, my little ray of sunshine. <laughs> the doorbell rings. Interior, Jan's foyer. Danny, wearing only his diaper, enters a massive hallway loaded with memorabilia. There are snapshots on the wall of Jan's shaking hands with Don Johnson, Captain Lou Albano, Henry Kissinger, an open-shirt Antonio Banderas, and President Clinton. On the wall is a gold record. Jan Vanderdoiken reads the classics Volume 1, The Hardy Boys Find a Time Machine. His books are on shelves facing forward, the titles all familiar to Danny. Protocol Zero, 200% of the Brain, Time Soothers, He Who Would Fight the System and Win, Prosecution of the Stars. The end of the hallway is dark, and Danny proceeds cautiously. Suddenly, the booming, familiar voice. Danny! Enter! Danny walks down the hallway and into a high-ceiling stairway with a single padded chair. Sit. As Danny sits... Jan descends from above in a lizard-like crane that snakes back and forth across both sides of the walls. His seat is a golden throne, and he sits with his legs propped up over the armrest, still wearing only his diapers. It's not unlike the scene in The Holy Mountain when we meet Jodorowsky. Danny is breathless. Vanderdoiken. Danny, please, wake and be friendly. Call me, sir. Sir, it's an honor. Ah, skip the platitudes. I can give you my autographs later. Now, what exactly is the problem? You've flooded my private inbox. I probably shouldn't have given that address out so freely. Sir, I'm getting a divorce. Yes, you've made that clear. Sometimes separation soothes the hearts on both sides of the relationship. It was for the better. I'm assuming it was for mistakes made on both sides. What's your problem? No, sir. It deals with being an adult baby. Yes? She doesn't approve. Interesting. You've been married for five years? Yes. So you've only recently been an adult baby? Ten years now, sir. So you're saying the flesh is no longer willing? The baby flesh, yes. And you're the family breadwinner, no? She is unemployed, yes. How ungrateful. How sad. What are you doing about it? I don't know. I think it's a phase. She loves me. And yet, she denigrates our lifestyle. The courts will throw this out, no? If I don't seek representation, she gets everything. Right. This makes sense. Yeah. This can't happen! Jan chucks a baby chalice from his throne. Mommy! Passy! The mommies run over with a tray of pacifiers. Jan picks a polka dot one. So you see that this would crush me, financially but mostly emotionally. I'm stuck between two rocks and four hard places here. I can't believe our divorce practices are being perverted towards this hateful desecration of our lifestyles. What should I do? Jan stands up, repeatedly sucking briefly on his pacifier. 
He walks over to a bookshelf on the wall and removes a book. Have you read the four types of people you'll meet in the life the world provides for you? No. Who wrote it? I did. Unfortunately, it was only released in Stockholm. Went with a different publisher on that one, and they folded before expansion. Something about investing in a defunct pushpin company. I've been meaning to rewrite it for stateside. Should I read it? Only if you're a human. But I want you to flip to page 47 right now. Danny flips to a full-page picture of President John Wesley Harding. That's the segment of the book dedicated to Type 1. The The person who has nothing to offer the world. The mental invalid. The complete waste of space. Sadly, a lot of those are slobbering, idiotic, afflicted sorts found in centers and institutions and such. The lowest form of evolved humans. Wasn't he president? Flip to page 66. A full page picture of a middle-aged white woman. Who's this? My mother. The second type of poison is the type who lacks the self-awareness or the interest in improving themselves or the world. They aren't interested in betterment, they are interested in getting by, interested in the status quo. Sometimes they can grease the wheels for the success of others, and that's admirable, but they lack ambition and vision. Also, they are frequently unattractive. Page 144. Danny flips to the page, sees a photo of Ron Howard. Ron Howard? Type 3 are the types under the illusion that they are furthering humanity. That they are making a difference. These may be the most dangerous types of people because they mistake mediocrity for success. These are the people who define the middle. Middle brow, middle class, middle east. So... You, Danny. You were grouped in with everyone else there. You are type three. You need to better yourself. You need to become not a game player, but a game changer. Page 200. Danny flips to the page, seeing a full-body painted portrait of Jan van der Doyken petting what looks like a small triceratops. Type 4. The revolutionary. The difference maker. Peak human performer. The definition of success. Danny flips to the final page. It's a laminated mirror with the words, Which type? at the top and Are you? at the bottom. What... Are you proposing? Don't worry. When the time comes, you'll know. A war approaches, Danny. And on the day it comes, you will know which side to take. You will know which action to take. You will become a Type 4 person, whether you choose to or not. Jan walks backwards back into his throne. Smoke dramatically rises from the bottom as Jan rises. Sir... I won't disappoint! You can find the exit. I have faith in you, my brethren. We will succeed. Now, if you don't mind, I need my diaper changed. Jan's throne rises up and away, leaving Danny in a cloud of dust. Interior, fancy restaurant, night. Howard sits in suit and tie at a table, waiting for Allison. He goes through his files, but sees an irregularity. He takes out his phone and dials. 
Hey, Perry. You got a second? Interior. Exercise room. Perry, clad in a skimpy tee and shorts that drape over his gangly physique, lifts two preposterously large dumbbells in one hand, the phone in the other. What's up? Oh, okay. No, no, uh, no, I didn't touch your files. Not an order. You keep organized, I, I know. Well, double check, but I don't think you're missing anything. Oh, oh, I'm just at the gym, <laughs> murdering some equipment. You know, pumping the hardware. Uh, 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 oh, wait, you have to go. All right, tomorrow. Perry hangs up. Interior, restaurant. Howard sits and stews silently. Allison comes walking in, dressed in a conservative lady's business suit. She smiles awkwardly, not sure exactly how flirty she wants to be. Howard begins to stand thinks better of it, and stands anyway. Mrs. Doso, a pleasure. Howard, glad to see you. They sit. So if you'll forgive me, I have to get some of my files in order. There was just a little mix-up, nothing to worry about. Oh, it, it's okay, I'm a little early. Did you order? No, no, it's fine, they usually wait. A waiter walks over in a wrinkled dress shirt and pants, unshaven and a tad unkempt. Welcome to Jochinos. May we take your order? They wait for you to get settled. Hey, hey, yeah, I'll have... What's the special for tonight? The waiter lazily tilts his head slightly to the right. The specials. Oh, well then. I guess I'll have the, the second one listed there. I can't pronounce it. Cool. And for you? I'll have the chicken scar... Scarpelio? Can you hold the onions? You want it without onions? Yes. So, no onions. That's correct. The waiter glances at Howard, wondering if he's catching on. Uh, yes. Could you correct my order? No onions in my meal either? Allison is confused. Cool beans. Be out soon. The waiter walks away. So, Miss Doso, how are you getting through this? It's difficult. I've scarcely been at home, spending some time with my friend while I sort out what I want. I presume you still want what we all want? What's that? Um, well, an amicable separation for all parties involved? I don't know. He hasn't handled it well. And you? Pardon? How have you handled it? We don't have to be cold and clinical about it, but we should focus on what we can control. What we can't control is Danny's reaction to your decisions. He's his own man. You're your own woman. Sounds like someone really wants me to get divorced. I, I, I don't mean to convey I'm seeking your separation, Mrs. Doso, but if I choose to take your case, I, I need a full commitment, which is why we're here right now. You don't have dinner with your other clients? Not prospective clients, no. Okay, that's a little flattering. No, Mrs. Doso, that's not- uh, You want to keep it professional, as do I. What are we talking about here? We're talking about... Danny. Danny. Howard takes a sip of water. Have you been in this situation before? The situation where a female client intrigues me? That's a different situation. 
It is, isn't it? Professional, we are. Yes. We're discussing dealing with an unwilling... Wait, so have you? What? Been in such a position with a female client? Not that you're in one now, but have you? I reserve the right to give a professional non-answer. So, yes. Mrs. Doso. Allison. And forget about it. Allison smiles. Howard adjusts his collar accordingly. Look, for now, just right now, between you and me... Yes? Let's not get in trouble just yet. What if we want to? We do want to. (sighs) I I can't believe I'm saying any of this. I can't believe you're saying any of this. Don't act like you're wearing a diaper under that suit. Allison, you're married. So are you. The waiter walks up to the table. So yeah, I totally forgot to ask what you were drinking tonight. Howard opens up his file instinctively, pretending to be distracted by his work. Allison is distracted by Howard's sudden act. I'll have, uh, nothing special? Just pop. Soda. Soda pop, yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, have a glass of the usual, Jeeves. Uh, my name's not Jeeves. Then a water. Aye, aye. The waiter walks away. So, if your husband does not seek representation, I do believe the divorce arrangements continue according to plan, and you can indeed level any accusation his way. His assets would be unprotected, as you didn't sign a prenuptial agreement, according to my records. That would... That would cripple him, yes. It's a big step to take. If he doesn't seek representation, his saved finances would be split down the middle. I could still give him a fair deal, right? I will be honest with you about this. There's no such thing as a fair deal in this situation. I know, the emotional toll. Also money. Right. You do know my job is essentially to de-romanticize the de-romanticized version of this. The language I use will be geared towards a straightforward explication of what party stands to gain or lose based on concrete items. I understand. Not that I prefer the de-romanticized lifestyle. You are married, after all. Don't be put off by this, but... I feel like I'll need more than a little information on how this situation presents itself in your life. I'll need to argue in a way that allows others to see into your perspective on circumstances. Yeah? What do you think about marriage? I... I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure how to answer that these days. I'm not recording you. We're not in a courtroom. Be honest. I know what I did think about marriage. Well, what did you think about marriage? I thought... Flashback. Exterior. Running track. Day. Allison and Danny race each other in matching sweatpants and t-shirt. They both laugh as they jockey for position. Maybe there was someone out there who could understand my strengths and weaknesses. Help me improve. Interior. Dining room. Night. Allison brings the seated Danny a hefty meal. He enthusiastically tastes it. Even someone I could care for. Someone who lived for having me as one of those traditional wife types. Allison waits for a response before Danny lifts his open palm for a smiling high five. Interior. Restaurant. I love him. I thought that could supersede whatever storybook romance didn't happen. 
We did love each other, but love became a different creature than I expected. It's very forthcoming, Mrs. Doso. Thank you. I guess. A weary look masks Allison's sudden sadness. Howard takes out a manila folder and gets to business. Now, I have a copy of your assets as you have given to me, plus my notes as to what we can liquidate, bifurcate, separate, or consolidate. I took special steps to isolate the Oakley Rumacek documents that I'm sure you'd like to educate me on, as well as items I assume you would denigrate. Assets we can penetrate, both inchoate and ready-made, possibly alleviate all negative feelings we would never have to validate. Would you like me to demonstrate? I'm... you know... What is it? I don't know if I can do this right now. I, I just don't have the willpower. That happens, of course. I'm sorry this is such a difficult... Allison reaches over and touches Howard's hand. She looks longingly into his eyes and smiles. Her eyes are welling up. Howard is in a wait-and-see mode. Howard, thank you for your help. But I just can't be in this mindset tonight. I understand. You, you probably think I'm some sort of flake. Just for tonight, I'm going home. I just want to see if I can deal with the problem in a human manner. I love him, and I appreciate your help. Well, you have to do what feels best. Don't be pressured into making a mistake to bring comfort to others. This case is about you. I thought it was about marriage. It's about you and marriage. Also, you. Just don't make any regrettable decisions. Who, me? Allison gets up and prepares to leave. I can walk you out if you'd like. Yes, uh, no, I mean no. Yes, of course you can walk me out. They get up and walk out of the restaurant. The waiter walks over to the empty table with two full plates, immediately noticing the empty table and turning back to the kitchen in mid-stride. Chicken Scarpiella, fuck yes. Exterior, sidewalk, outside of restaurant. Howard and Allison walk to the nearest curb. Uh, what time do you have? Howard lifts his wrist to his eyes, but something catches his eye. It's around... What the hell is this? Howard walks over to the newspaper dispenser on the sidewalk. One of the smaller headlines on the front page reads, What is an adult baby? Find out about the most ludicrous divorce case in history. What is it? Interior. Taxi. Night. Allison rides in the back, pressing against the driver's seat. Can you hurry up, please? I'm in a rush. I know, you're in a rush. Everyone's in a rush. Everyone who takes this taxi, they say they're in a rush. The day I hear someone tell me they aren't in a rush is the day that I... I... I'm not good with people. They come to a red light as Allison looks out the window. In the next car, a woman is reading the newspaper and laughing. They look up and see Allison. Their smile fades. It then becomes a witchy scowl. The taxi takes the green light as Allison breathes a sigh of relief, looking at the ads in the taxi. One features a grown man in a diaper crying cartoon tears. Don't be a baby. Get health insurance. She looks out the window to see a couple at an outdoor restaurant, one reading the newspaper and the other lifting their legs up and mimicking a crying baby. The taxi comes to a stop at another light. The same car from before stops next to them. The woman in the backseat is visibly growling, thrusting her finger in Allison's direction, inaudibly screaming something that looks like, DIE! 
The woman starts to breathe heavily against the window as the light turns green again. Allison starts to hyperventilate. Ma'am, you okay? Not really. Is there any possible way you could speed up? I'd really like to get home. Hey, you know, you look a little familiar. No, I don't. You do? No, I fucking don't. Alright, alright, damn! Chill the fuck out! Jeez, you're acting like that bitch who married the adult baby! The taxi stops at another light. The window in the next car is fogged up, save for two words. Despicable whore. Allison and Danny's townhouse. Night. Allison opens the door. She sees... A noose, made of diapers, hanging from the hallway fixture. A bottle. Sitting on the countertop, the nipple discolored, next to a brown bottle with a skull and crossbones labeled poison. A stuffed bear, holding a children's thermometer attached to a knife. Danny walks in, still wearing diapers. He will not change for the rest of the movie, and sees Allison. Allison, you shouldn't be here. Danny, what's going on here? Don't worry, I won't darken your hallways anymore. I won't damage your days, infect your nights, relieve myself on your worries. No longer. You don't want to be around for this. Danny, no! Allison walks over and embraces Danny. Honey, I'm sorry for everything. Honey, no, I still love you? You're such a wonderful part of my life. Honey, I just don't know how to react. I feel like a reject. This is who I am. How do I change it? Honey, it's complicated. I... Uh. Flash! Fuck sausage! Danny grabs Allison swiftly and rolls to the ground out of the way. Hanging off the wall is a masked man clad entirely in a black bodysuit grasping a camera. Shit! Ninja paparazzi leaps to the ground, <gasps> heading after the couple who have rolled into the living room. Flapow! He's immediately hit with a lampshade and falls to the ground. What's going on? The media! They've been waiting for you to come home. They want me. For serious? Ninja Paparazzi pulls the flash out of his camera. Its length startles as it turns out the flash device is the top part of a foldable sword. Motherfucker! The Ninja Paparazzi lunges at Danny, who dodges effortlessly. Toe to toe, Danny ducks, spins, and rolls out of the way of the ninja's swings. Danny's bare feet strike. He lands a blow against the Paparazzi's head, then another. The paparazzi falls back, but Danny does a somersault and rolls onto his head, reaching his bare legs out and whipping them around the paparazzi's neck. He pushes forward and slams the paparazzi forward, into the air, onto his back. STAY OUT OF MY HOUSE! Allison runs in, poison in hand, and he pours it on the ninja's face. He belts out the worst scream imaginable. Allison looks triumphantly, but Danny is running up the steps. I'm sorry! Danny, where are you going? Dan reaches the top floor of their townhouse and glides face first through the window and onto the roof. Exterior, Allison and Danny's townhouse, night. A dozen or so reporters mill about in the front of the house until... Whoa, up on the roof! Danny looks down on them, screaming in rage, his emotions almost as naked as his body. He jumps off, grabbing an electrical wire that tears and sizzles as he swings onto the next house. A throng of reporters follow as he gallops and sprints, Spider-Man style, from each rooftop. His athletic prowess is superhuman, his newfound embrace of his identity leading to a new, physical evolution. 
He springs from the final rooftop of the street onto the bottom of an above-ground train track, where the train is stopped before heading into the city. He climbs to the top of the subway car and clings to the doorway separating the cars until the train takes off. He has escaped. This has been Act 3 of Adult Baby by Extra Credit. The narrator was played by Shell Game. Allison Doso was played by Julia. Howard Sanderson was played by Turtle. Danny Rikua was played by Positive Stress. Jan van der Doiken was played by Breakfast. Reporter at Large was played by Achilles Heelys. The Waiter was played by Vinnie Possum. Harryworth Hangley was played by Ashdu. The Taxi Driver was played by Rot. Mom 1 was played by Frank West. Mom 2 was played by Chai T. Latte. Ninja Paparazzi was played by Mix. Music in this act includes The Party Music from Project Scissors. As Time Goes By, Piano Cover by Montaché Piano. Carry Me Again by G-Nerve. J.X. Bach Brandenburg Concerto No. 4 by Kevin MacLeod. And Lovers at a Distance by Dr. Saxlove. Sound effects were provided by freesound.org. Editing was done by me, Dijon Dujour. If you'd like to hear more like this, check out our website at thefmin.us or join the forum at ballp.it. Thanks for listening.